turn with me to Matthew 2 and familiar verses this time of the year. I'm going to read just a few verses and, and then you can be sat down. I'm going to read uh, verses uh, uh, 13 through 15. It says, When they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by the night and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Let's pray. Father, we do again thank you for the blessings that you give to us through your word, the truth that we've seen through your word. Father, I thank you for the, the, the lessons that have been presented today and how they centered around your soon coming. And Father, how the, the impact of your birth on the world itself, not only Christians, but on the world, impacted everyday life on this earth. And Father, we thank you for you taking care of us, giving us wisdom and direction. I thank you as we look into your word tonight that it'll be a continuation of this morning, blessing each one of us, knowing that you changed our lives miraculously when we were saved. And Father, we ask this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. And we'll... It's interesting, this is, uh, you know, a very typical story of, of, of after Christmas and uh, I, I asked myself a question and I think each one of us did too is what happens after Christmas it's kind of what we're all talking about you know we had Christmas uh, day on Friday and <clears throat> celebrated Christ's birth and you know and and it's th th this section of uh, scripture talks about you know visit of the Magi and how many there were and that Herod uh, <clears throat> pretended to want to find out about the son when in reality when you read verse 16 and find out that he was mocked he killed all the children that were uh, under the age of two and and it's sad you know with Christmas here and gone the world basically goes back doing what it was doing and you know especially over this last year it's we've been impacted by everything that's gone on and the, the world has tried to do everything it can to destroy church services, to, to try to discourage Christians. And uh, before Pastor left, he, he gave me uh, or sent me the, uh, the Talkington's newsletter. And I want to read it and kind of as it being part of what's going on. And uh, if you want to say it, it kind of leans back to what Herod was doing. He tried to destroy Christ. He did his best he thought he could do. The world is jealous of Christians. Brother Chris pointed that out to us. And, and, and it's, it's so, um, could almost be discouraging if we didn't know who we were attached to. So I want to read this letter. It's, it's very lengthy. It's also very political. And uh, so it says, Dear Prayer Friends, and this is the November uh, newsletter. Coronavirus restrictions are alive and well in Germany. 
In our August prayer letter, I mentioned that earlier this year, the German Chancellor, uh, Angela uh, Merkel, predicted that 70 million out of 83 million Germans could be affected by, with coronavirus. She also said that coronavirus was much more dangerous than the flu, and that as a result, millions of people could die. I believe that comparisons to World War II casualties were invoked, during which Germany experienced around 8 million deaths. Just to let you know, according to the official numbers over the last past nine months, there have been a little over 1 million people who have tested positive for coronavirus, instead of the 70 million projected. And there have been about 16,500 deaths attributed to the virus, instead of the 8 million predicted. So their success of predicting the future has been about as inaccurate as those of Dr. Death, Fauci, in the U.S. <clears throat> Needless to say that the scare tactics with the help of the media hype that surrounds coronavirus allowed the socialist government to put any and all restrictions into effect, and people didn't complain. So the chancellor's message had its intended effect. The German government responded to, those, uh, to these dire predictions by closing all churches, schools, restaurants, small businesses, etc., and severely restricted people doing business in banks, government offices, law offices, accounting firms, and so forth. In our last prayer letter, I wrote that we had had to hire a German attorney to look after our interests regarding the liability for the water damage caused by the misinstalled hot water heater at the church. I never met the attorney in person. All of our business was conducted over the phone and by email. People were not allowed to visit loved ones in hospitals or nursing homes. Families were not allowed to visit their elderly parents and grandparents in their homes. Shopping was only allowed at grocery stores where folks were required to go in to the store with shopping carts to maintain social distancing between each other and by wearing masks. People were also allowed to visit doctor's offices one at a time to pick up prescriptions at pharmacies. Also, all traveling between countries in Europe was banned as well as travel to and from the U.S. and other countries. To put it bluntly, I was better able to understand how the folks in the former Soviet Union, East Germany, Cuba, Vietnam, and Venezuela felt or must feel today as a result of living in a socialist dictatorship. In June, as the number of daily positive results for corona began to go down, the government started to decrease restrictions. We were able to legally hold church services again, albeit with social distancing and mask restrictions in place. In July, the number of new cases got down to less than 100 per day. In October, the number of positive results began to go back up, quickly causing the government to put many restrictions back into place. The current daily rate of new coronavirus cases in Germany is around 18,000. The leader of the so-called Christian Socialist Party and minister president of Bavaria have been pushing for much more severe restrictions and like the socialist governor of Michigan, had advocated for people to call the police to report their neighbors for violations. One German politician recently suggested that the government should send inspectors into all living quarters of its citizens to inspect them for compliance with hygienic standards. The specter of totalitarianism has raised its ugly head in Germany 
And sadly, it seems that the U.S. might be headed in the same direction over the next few years. We were sick of hearing about all of the problems, economic and otherwise, being caused by the corona pandemic. The only problem that can be blamed on coronavirus are health-related. All other problems, including school closings, job losses, personnel and business bankruptcies, increased suicide, drug use, alcohol abuse, people living in fear of going outside, as well as the disruption of society, sensationalist, uh, uh, as we know it, can be blamed on an overzealous, overreactive government at all levels, as well as on a, a sensationalist media who fall all over themselves to report the latest gruesome statistic and predictions. In Germany, the coronavirus restrictions and media hype have negatively Im impacted our ministry. There are folks who attended our service in the past who are not attending our services today. Folks who've called in called to inquire about our church services are unwilling to attend due to their fear of contracting coronavirus. We are not allowed to confront people at their doors or in the market square with the gospel of our Lord due to the social distancing requirements. We have attempted to overcome these obstacles by distributing many more tracts on a daily basis in people's mailboxes and relying on the Holy Spirit to open their hearts to the gospel message while continuing to hold services. All we can do under these circumstances is to get up every morning with the determination to serve the Lord with our whole hearts and to trust him for the results. We pray that the Lord would bless you with all happiness, good health, and a desire to serve him more and more each day. Your service in Christ, the Talkington family. And it, when you hear that, you know, we hear it all around our country. And I'm sure each one of our missionaries can say the same thing. And it, and it kind of does remind us that when Christ was born, that economy was doing the same type of thing. They were coming up with excuses to, to uh, downplay uh, Christianity. You know, it makes you wonder, when the Magi came, some people say it was a few months to a couple of years. You wonder, that first, the, the next Christmas that came around, what was it like? What, was it miraculous? Or did people just go on about their business? When the Magi came, and when they left, what did the people do? I don't think that there was a big celebration with the Magi, other than Herod looking through things. But, you know, our, our traditional Christmas celebration, uh, as we can call it, the birth of Christ, some people won't celebrate Christmas because it's too pagan. Um, we know why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate it for the birth of Christ. Regardless of what time of the year he was really born. You know, people come up and say, well, you know, if you've ever been to Israel, December, the, the shepherds aren't out on the hillsides because it's cold there. It does snow in Jerusalem. But the, the, the celebration there, you know, went on. The birth of Christ was happened so what happened you know here you know our christmas sound and lights of music christmas music is over i don't know unless you go to the williams household i think lynn's still playing christmas music 
You know, decorations are put away in boxes and tubs in the garage attic. Some people. Some people wait until the 4th of July. <laughs> Programs, company parties, gift exchanges are completed. Memories captured in pictures. You know, we were commenting today about uh, our son and their, uh, the celebrations that they had, picture after picture after picture. Um, they're put in, in storage or put on Facebook or Instagram. The hardest thing to part with after Christmas movies or Christmas is the Hallmark movies. <laughs> A lot of people keep wanting to watch them. But so many people return to the same routine. And you think about that. What did the shepherds do after they saw Christ? Saw him born. You know, do they go back to taking care of their sheep? You know, some of them talked about the Lord. They followed and went through there. The wise men, that month-long journey when they left, what did they do? Well, I think when they went back, they went back as believers because they knew who they saw. They also, uh, did they go back and influence the culture around them? We don't know. History will we'll tell it. One day when we get in glory, we'll find out about it. Bethlehem, that small town, when the, that, first, that first Christmas when Christ was born, it's the, the population swelled because of the census that was going on. What happened following? Did things just return back to normal? Probably did. And for Mary and Joseph, what was that first year like? We know that they stayed there for quite a while because the star led them to Bethlehem, led the, the, the wise men to Bethlehem. And so how long they lived there, we don't know. But, you know, in, in, in uh, verse 13, after the, the uh, wise men left, an angel spoke to, to uh, Joseph and, and told him that he needed to go. And Joseph... In, in those days, you know, well, in fact, three times he was spoken to uh, by an angel. Uh, Matthew one uh, twenty says, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is the Holy Ghost. He paid attention and listened. Two thirteen, we we mentioned that the angel spoke to him. And then when they came back in, in verse 19, after Herod had died, it says, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for, for they are dead which sought the young, uh, young ch child's life. So he listened very carefully. And I'm thankful like this morning when Brother Chris was talking about how, how knowledge of, of the kingdom changes our life. And he gave some great applications with that. And the prophets talked about that, about the birth. And he spoke out of Isaiah this morning. And, and you can look and see that Christ's first few years on, on this earth, they were met with turmoil. And when you think about how they described in Isaiah 53 of what was going to happen to Christ, they identified him as a uh, lowly, humble life to be despised and rejected. You know, uh, Isaiah 53, uh, 2 and 3, for he, he shall grow up before him a tender plant. Get my 
notes here, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. They've talked about how Christ was. You know, they always show this cherub-looking face. And, of course, I don't think there really is an ugly child out there, a baby, when it's born. They're beautiful to, to look at. We had a, a new great-granddaughter born Christmas Eve. And it was exciting to look at those pictures and, and to watch her older sister just cooing over her and thinking the greatest thing about that. The birth of Christ, what was it like? Well, when we look on him, there was nothing to make him stand out from the crowd. He was just there. Isaiah 53, 7 and 9 said he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth when he went, when he stood before Pilate. He was brought as a lamb to slaughter. And was a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He didn't complain. I've heard, we've heard songs where, you know, the baby was crying or people have talked about that. I wonder, did Jesus cry when he was born? I'm sure he made some wonderful sounds that just melted the heart of those around him. Obviously, the angels, you know, heralded him in. But, you know, all through the prophecies that were, were talking about him, you know, they were being, pointing to him as, he's not outstanding. He's not the clear standout amongst the crowd. He was there. People saw who he was. He knew who he was when, when he walked on the earth. People recognized him. As who, as who he was. They identified him as, you know, Joseph's son, the carpenter's son. And then eventually they called him master. And, and it was just amazing to realize that he changed all those lives all through, through, through as he was growing up. But, you know, life, as we look at this, life is to be forever altered by Christmas or the birth of Christ. We can look at it that way. Our lives are forever altered. Brother Chris pointed that out to us today, this morning. It's, you know, living, the living Christ lives within each one of us. So, like Nathan was talking about, being thankful every day that our lives will be forever, never be the same. Once we got saved, our lives completely changed. And if it didn't, then I would say, you need to go back and check your birth certificate. And I'm, and I'm thankful for the challenges that we have in our church here on a regular basis for us to look and say am I changing are we better than we were last year what are we going to be when we go into the new year you know it's it's not a thrill for a day it's not something that just happens and you move on as the world does here shortly they're going to be who hawing over new years although again that'll be different no not going to have you know, millions of people in Times Square watching the, the ball drop. It'll be virtual, so to speak. The center of our lives every day should be about Christ, about Jesus. Our lives forever, moment by moment. You know, I'm appreciative, you know, it's, it's that when we know Christ, our daily lives should be centered around him. I got a kick, and, and it was expected, 
dropped a few things off at the, the Bickishes. And what did Chris come to the door with? His Bible in hand. And they're studying away. I think we could probably knock on a lot of our doors, and that's what we'll see. We'll see a Bible out on a very prominent location. Maybe open. We'll see a notebook next to it, possibly. But that's what I'm thankful for this group here. It challenges each and every one of us that the center of our lives is Christ. 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and showed unto you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that we that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and is his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. The disciples were witnesses. We're witnesses because we get to re read the word. We get to see what's there. Just like Joseph... And, and many of the uh, Old Testament and New Testament, they were led by dream because the word wasn't fully written yet. We have that. And the way of obedience is through reading scripture and through studying and prayer. How does, you know, God gave Joseph those commands through the dreams. We get ours through the word. And oftentimes it, it, it's just amazing that People won't listen to that. We're challenged with sharing the gospel now because of all the restrictions put on so many things, like, like Brother Talking talked about there. And I think every one of our, our missionaries could probably say the same general thing. So will this Christmas be forgotten like others? You know, for the Christian, no. I hope not. You know, will we continue on as always? Oh, yeah, it happened. Presents are open. Wrapping papers all out in the trash, ready to go away. Things have been cleaned up. Or are we changed by it? Every year when, when we come to that, do we make that as like a stake in the ground? Am I better this year in my studying, my prayer life, in my witnessing than I was last year? Will, will this Christmas be the one where you finally turn to him and believe and follow? Some people want to say that, but they don't turn and follow. They might, oh yeah, well, you know, that, I'll, I'll kind of do what I need to do and just get by. But it's, it's like the best place to, to always be is where Jesus is. My wife and I, our, our children are spread all across the United States. Our grandchildren are spread all across the United States, literally. Some in California, some in Virginia, some in Wisconsin, some in uh, Missouri, you name it. Georgia, they're all over. We don't get to see them, but we want to know that where they're at, is that where the Lord wants them to be? And we tell them, we want you to be where God wants you to be, because that's the safest place to be, is in Christ. I don't want them to be any place other than that. Some are in rebellion, but also some know that that's where they're, where they're supposed to be. They're protected when, when living in scary times. I can imagine growing up in, 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 in the first century, how scary that was. 
when you're a Christian, knowing that if you say that you're a Christian, you might end up dead. Well, it might be coming to that here shortly. You don't know. We don't know that. A lot of the, those were poor, but they were provided for. Not everybody here is a wealthy philanthropist. I don't think we'd want one here. But we, what we do have, we give to the missionaries. And that's the beauty of, of this group here. Every time somebody from missions comes through here, they get a wonderful love offering. Our missions fund has never been in any need because of the people that love it. The gifts of the wise men uh, probably supported Mary and Joseph for, for quite a while. Many think that that's how they were able to fund going, going into Egypt and to be taken care of. But they also, they were at peace. I'm sure Joseph was thinking, okay, am I supposed to really do this? All right, let's, let's just do this. And he didn't argue. He didn't um, debate with Christ like Abraham did. He just followed on, did what he was supposed to do. The best thing is to always do what God says to do. I don't care how well Brian develops a, a project, <laughs> but I think if he went in there saying, I'm going to do this and do it and not ask the Lord to give him direction, I think it would end up being a little bit different. Brother Chris, same way, tearing a piece of equipment apart or, or Brother Austin out there <laughs> fixing somebody else's equipment or Charlie checking somebody's RV for something. When we approach that with what God tells us to do, it gives us wisdom. And the, I'll end this with this. The only one to truly trust is to come through in the end is the Lord. He really does. He's the one that we can always look to, regardless of what, what transpired. You know, Pastor Lisa had the opportunity to go visit uh, her, her folks. Pastor's never been able to do that, or never felt that he could do that. I'm thankful that we have people here that, that were able to step up, you know, like tonight, Brother Chris taking over this morning. Any one of us here to tell the pastor, you go visit your family. Don't feel like you are trapped here. And if the Lord tells him no, then he would have stayed. But he's thankful. I'm thankful that we have a depth here that loves the Lord and wants to do only what God wants us, tells you to do and, and to do it with, with the best. And as we look through here, when we, we see that... Uh, um, in, in Luke 2, the last, the last two verses of, of Luke 2. It says, And when they performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And we know that when we look and read the scriptures, he impacted people's lives. I know here that our lives are impacted by Christ. And I'm thankful for 
that evidence that is there. Many churches are thankful for that. There are others out there that are just doing, hey, raking in what they want to do, doing it their way. And as Brother Chris has been pointing out to us about the rapture and about the, the, the coming day of the Lord, there are going to be a lot of people that are very embarrassed. They're going to be standing like those ones that says, Lord, we did all of this stuff. He said, depart, I never knew you. And I'm thankful that each one of us, we probably can stand there with our birth certificate. We won't have to show it because God will know who we are. He knows our name. And I'm just thankful for that, that he's the one that we can trust. And that as we stay going into this new year, we don't know what's coming before us. But we do know who's in control. And I'm so thankful that I can trust God. Because if we had to leave it up to this world, I want to go away. <laughs> I want to just completely leave. But I'm so thankful. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for your blessings. We thank you, thank you for taking care of us every day. Father, I, I know that you give us wisdom and direction. You, you show us one step at a time. Father, if you showed us the whole thing, we would, we would be so afraid of what was going on. But Father, I'm thankful when we look to you, we can trust you in every step of our lives. And oftentimes it's trusting you in things that we don't know what the outcome is going to be. To take us to new places, maybe give us new opportunities. But Father, in this coming year, we don't know what to expect. But we know, Father, that you know exactly what is, needs to be done, what is going to be done, and how it will be accomplished. And Father, as many people have pointed out, this is probably the best altar call with this, the virus going on, this unrest about the presidential elections, the unrest about the government, the unrest that goes on throughout the world. But Father, you are aware. You have control. And we can thank you that we can trust you in every aspect of that. And Father, we want to glorify you in all that we do. And we do ask it in your son's precious name.